Our recruiters field a lot of questions every single day. On this episode, we talk about new traveler questions and contract questions, which seem to come up usually within the first couple of phone calls anyway, especially from new travelers. So if you are a new traveler or you're considering this for the first time, this is the episode you're going to want to listen to or watch with Adam Collette. Atlas All Access starts now. All right. So three-part episode. Three-part. Three parts. First part, new traveler questions and contract questions. Okay. Part two, next week, will be about pay, benefits, and then questions about vendors, MSPs, VMSs, that type of thing. And then part three will be with Cassie Wolfert from Compliance, all about compliance. Great. And I know we've talked about these before, but it's just a good refresher to get back into it again and... Especially when we put this question out to our recruiter group and said, what questions are you hearing over and over and over again? Sure. Do you field on each one of these calls? I know you responded to that. You, you've probably fielded a lot of these too. So here's what we're going to do. I've got just a list of questions. I'm going to go down. Give me just a quick on each one of them, right? Sure. All right. So how long does it take to become a travel nurse? Uh, how long does it take to become a travel nurse? Um, you know, the minimum qualifications that I think are out there is one year of experience in a specific specialty mm-hmm. um, on there. Obviously, have at least your associate's, associate's degree from a um, accredited school. Yep. Um, you know, on there, depending on your specialty. Obviously, BLS is required for everything. You know, ACLS for higher units, POWs, whatever yep. uh, for those. So. You know, I would say a year of experience, you know, accredited college and uh, the correct certifications would be probably the best start. Gotcha. Okay. And that's minimum, right? That's minimum. There's a whole bunch of like alarm bells going off, I'm sure, in certain Facebook groups and you know who you are. Oh my gosh, you need more than a year. You might. You, absolutely. You absolutely. Might. You know, I, I would recommend, you know, two, two and a half probably is probably the best absolutely. Um, that, that you've seen most situations mm-hmm. and drugs and those kind of things. But absolutely. We're talking about minimums. There you go. There you go. Okay. Next question. How quickly, and I assume this is a, a once I accept a contract, how quickly can I start? Sure. Um, you know, I would say that it's about two weeks from time of acceptance um, to when you can start on there, mm-hmm. uh, between, you know, doing the testing, um, doing the compliance requirements, uh, those kind of things. It, two weeks is, is a pretty quick start on there. Um, you know, that, and even that's a quick start, it, yeah. it's, it really is. Um, it's a quick turnaround, uh, especially for you to get everything done and then travel, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how far that might be on there. Yep. I would say, Typically, it's about three weeks is is typically what I feel comfortable, especially for a brand new traveler on their first assignment. Three weeks is probably good. Um, the other thing is, does the hospital only do orientation every two weeks, once a month? You know, it, it's going to depend on the facility of, of what works on there. But two to three weeks, I would say, is typically normal on there. Okay. Uh, what can I do? Not me, but what can I do, the traveler do? to help the process and get a good travel job faster? Sure. Um, I would say to get your first travel job faster is to be 
have a larger radius of what you're able to look at. Um, you know, if you have one single spot, I only want to go to Phoenix. I only want to work days and I only want to have, you know, these, the more requirements or the more things that you have as, as needed for that assignment, um, the harder it's going to be, right. The more you open up to, Hey, I'm okay with, you know, five hours from my home mm -hmm. versus one hour from my home, you know, you're going to open up those opportunities, you know, Grant, I, I always tell people open for your first one, be super open of what the possibilities might be. And then once you have that first travel assignment on under your belt, then, mm -hmm. then you can get more specific and more detailed of, of what you're looking for. But at the end of the day, you, the traveler, are going to make those decisions. It's not my decision. It's not Atlas's decision, your company's decision. You get to make those decisions. So um, I think the frustrations that I see on Facebook groups or other travelers that I talk to is, hey, I want this, this, and this, and I can't get it. And it's like, you know, you, you've just listed for the hardest reasons of, of to get a travel position on there. Right. So um, that's like a level two conversation. I think that you have with that, with your recruiter too, mm -hmm. is, is once you get to that point and maybe you aren't necessarily getting the feedback from jobs that you were presented to in the first place. Yep. Maybe, maybe you need to have that second level conversation, right? Yep. So absolutely. I, I think that's, that's, that's important. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Next question, if I have a problem, and this, uh, this is a legit question because you're, you're picking up and leaving, right? You're picking yeah. up and you're going wherever. If I have a problem on the job, who do I call? Sure. Who do I talk to? Yeah. Um, you know, the, my answer as a recruiter is you f first need to go talk to your supervisor on the floor and, and in a nice, calm, um, non-demeaning way, have a, have a, positive conversation with a manager first um they are there they're the one that can mm -hmm. directly um affect the situation or or help change or maybe help you understand that mm -hmm. um you know you can definitely call the you should call your recruiter first sure. or second in there or maybe if you don't feel comfortable call your recruiter and come up with a plan of of what you need to do or who you need to talk to on there but mm -hmm. um you still, you may work for Atlas Med Staff, but you are still a nurse for that employer or that hospital. They they need to be aware of, the, of those things that are going wrong too. They might they might be able to help out a lot faster than I am. Mm -hmm. um, you know, go jumping through the hoops to to get some information for you. But working in tandem with, I think you're 100 percent right. You talk to the person that you're closest to, whether that's your supervisor, the you know. House supervisor, your you know nurse manager, whoever that is. Yep. You talk to that person first. Yep. Then you loop your recruiter in. Yep. And then the recruiter here would loop in a client manager, and then if necessary, right, if it goes yep. to those levels or yep. whatever. Absolutely. Just understand that there is there is a system in place to support you while you're on a contract. You're not just on an island. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. This is this. I I love this question so much. How do I know my recruiter or my agency isn't screwing me? Yeah, honestly, this is probably this is probably the hardest thing, mm -hmm. especially for a new traveler. You right. know, obviously, once you've done a couple assignments and built that trust or built that relationship um, with that recruiter or that company, it, it becomes a lot easier. Um, but the the hard answer to this is there are so many things that go on behind the scenes 
with bill rates and changing bill rates and critical needs and it was a critical need last week and now it's not a critical need Mm -hmm. this week Um, or we submitted you at a a rate um, but it took two weeks to interview and now that rate isn't valid Mm -hmm. there's just so much that goes beyond the scene behind the scenes and being able to have a recruiter that can explain to you um, of those things that happen it happens so much Mm -hmm. that um it happens within a blink of an email, right? It, it really does. And, Client and, manager gets an email, this isn't critical anymore. Yep. You don't get the increased rate or yep. whatever. And the job that you pitched 10 minutes ago now doesn't get that increased rate anymore yep. when you submit in an hour or whatever that might be. Yep. And and the thing that really stinks is uh, you, know, you place somebody and it takes that three weeks as we talked about for mm-hmm. them to get there. And, you know, they're on a regular rate and then, you know, all of a sudden some, something happens at the hospital between there and now they're really in desperate need. Yep. And now the rate's $10 higher to try to get more profiles in there to fill jobs. And, you know, we can even go back and ask for, can we have that same rate on there? And mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, the answer is going to be no, you, no. you signed, right. you signed the contract, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, three weeks ago and and it is what it is and there's a lot of times so you're going to be working with somebody that's making more money than you and Mm -hmm. no your company didn't screw you over like that no had no effect on that whatsoever no no intentions I I think and then and then the the double-edged sword to that is yeah there's recruiters out there taking really high deals for them themselves and their companies Mm -hmm. and you know and people will ask me hey am I you know is this bad and it's just like I don't have all of the information. I wasn't paying attention to it of that job of mm-hmm. when the rate changed or how it happened, what rates you're on or, or anything like that. So, right. you know, at, at that point in time, it's, it's start asking questions and seeing if you can find out a bill rate. So then we can really figure out what, what that means. Well, I think there's, there's, there's a trust, you touched on it. There's a trust factor involved. And I think the, the best way to do that is to, you all work with a traveler somewhere, right? Yep. Talk to them about the experiences that they've had. Most of them have a recruiter that they trust. Yep. Most of them do. Whether it's here or someplace else, there are a lot of good recruiters and a lot of good companies out there, right? There's a lot of companies that just started last year or last week or last month or whatever. Yep. That, that for one reason or another, right, have to do what they've got to do. And, yeah. And you may not get that same sort of trust level out of them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So follow your gut follow the advice of your of your fellow traveler your fellow nurses right your fellow travelers yeah. the people that you work next to 12 hours a day yeah. and, and and i would also encourage people to not be quick to jump and say hey my company's screwing me over mm-hmm. call your recruiter text your recruiter have that honest conversation of hey i know other travelers are making more money here <clears throat> can you can you explain to me mm-hmm where this deal was or, or, you know, did you, are you making a ton of money on this or, or whatever? At the end of the day, the traveler's got to make some money. The company's got to make some money as well. Yep. And there's, and there's a happy medium in there. Um, that's a legit that conversation be, that to should have be followed. That's an absolute legit conversation yeah. to have. And if your recruiter won't share that information with you, I, I don't know if that's somebody that I would trust. Granted, they they might not be able to give you all of the information, share the bill rate or whatever, mm-hmm. I completely understand that, but if they if they're if they're not willing to at least have that conversation with you, I would be questioning if if that's a recruiter I would want to work with. True. Okay. Um, do I have to find my own housing? Um, you don't have to. 
Um, you know, I, this is a, a slippery slope with, with some companies on there. I think the bigger companies that you have, they have a huge housing department with people dedicated to do that. Some companies don't have that as well. Um, in, in my personal opinion, I, I think housing is one of the hardest things as a recruiter um, to do just in the sense of they don't know or I, I don't know where you, the traveler, feels comfortable staying mm-hmm. um, on there. And so what I hate seeing is my company set up housing and it's disgusting or it's this and it's that. And it's just like, you know, it, we're in Omaha, Nebraska. I don't know what parts of Houston are the good parts, the bad parts. You know, it's mm-hmm. close to the hospital. You wanted to be close to the hospital. Right. And then, and then we're in a situation where, you know, we're out of some money for doing the down payments and those kind of things. Um, which is not a bad thing. It happens. Um, sure. it's totally fair. Um, but, uh, in the same sense, um, I, I think it's important for you to feel comfortable as the traveler. And I think when you and I work together, at least in my opinion, uh, you and I working together to find something that's going to work, it usually works out better than, than me just finding something and expecting you to show up and like it and be okay with it. Mm-hmm. It's one of the, it's one of the hardest things I will tell new travelers, um, my best piece of advice is book a long-term uh, extended stay for the first four or five days that you're there. Go to orientation, talk to people that are there. Where are you staying? Did your company do it? Did you do it? Um, you know, mm-hmm. at night, go grab a sandwich and just drive around and look for places to rent. Look at the hospital board of, you know, usually they, obviously college students are there oh, or, yeah. or whatever. And and so there's typically a board in every hospital where there's, you know, tags to pull off or rooms to rent or, or places to stay. Yep. Get there, feel comfortable, feel comfortable where you're at. And I think you're going to have a lot better than, than sight unseen signing, signing up for something on there. As I, well. I think that might be the best piece of advice you've given so far is take, take a couple of days, stay at, at a long, like an extended stay or whatever, a long term or whatever, and then, and then figure out where you need to be. Correct. All right, last question under new traveler questions. And this could actually be a current traveler question as well. And this is when I just had a conversation with a a former Atlas traveler who isn't traveling with us any longer. I'm not even sure if he's traveling, quite honestly, uh, anymore. It looks like Atlas does more gifts and special things like Atlas Adventures, trips, than other agencies. Does everyone get that somehow? And does that stuff come out of my paycheck? Sure. The, the easiest way that I think I can explain it to you is if you, you go back to McDonald's, Burger King, whatever, they have a, a marketing budget that comes from their profits. Every time you buy a cheeseburger, a penny goes to their marketing team or whatever that might be on their mm-hmm. side. Atlas is doing nothing differently on there. We are obviously taking money from our profits mm-hmm. and redistributing them back to um, obviously the travelers Mm -hmm. on, on there. Um, you know, so if you want to say that it, does it directly come out of my paycheck or not? Yeah, I guess, I guess you can say that. Well, cause it all comes to bill rate, right? It it, it all comes to the bill rate. I don't, we don't sell anything else. I don't. Right. And so, yeah, there is a profit line that we make off of every contract. Mm -hmm. And then that comes out of those Atlas adventures, those random acts of kindness, birthdays, Mm -hmm. those kind of things come out of our marketing budget, just as any other company has a marketing budget. But it comes out of the Atlas side rather than out of the the, traveler side. Out of the traveler side. Exactly. Uh, 100% 100 Mm -hmm. on there. So you can look at it any way. You can say we're doing it, we're not doing it, um, whatever. That We're not going to fight you on that. Uh, Everybody's going to try to turn it a different way. Um, 
But at the end of the day, I think everybody needs to feel appreciated, feel special. Um, and if your company's, once again, how, how do you not build trust of, of doing some nice things, some, some things for travelers on a, on a monthly or assignment basis to well, just, just appreciation for what they do for leaving your house and going out and, you know, and doing this and part of, part of the fun and sure traveling is, is about making money and whatever, but seeing the country and having a good time and us living vicariously through that. Yeah. Right. I can't, I can't do that right now. Yeah. You can't, we, nope. but I can live vicariously through your adventures. Correct. And this helps. Yep. I would gladly pay this out of this side. A hundred percent. All right. So contract questions. Let's we'll we'll run down these really quick because they all kind of seem to have the same sort of thing. And keep in mind there are some that deal with taxes here. Yep. And we're not tax advisors. I I am not that whatsoever. I don't like doing my own taxes. Exactly. I give mine <laughs> to an accountant and he does it for me. Yes, right. Correct. So okay. Um, this is an interesting one. Can I view a contract before I sign anything? Yes. Yeah. It comes to you unsigned. Yeah. So correct. Right. You know, you, you can interview, um, obviously, you know, get your questions answered, but you can view a contract and then we can go back. Um, you know, I, I think the only thing on there is like, you should know the location and the pay before, before you even submit to a job. So, you know, location and pay shouldn't be a question after you when you're looking at a contract exactly um on there but you know if you pitched a icu job and then it comes back and it's a neuro icu job and you're not comfortable with that that's a that's a different question absolutely and you're gonna know that and there are times during interviews that things change or whatever but then there are also times that maybe all the information wasn't included in the job description and so unbeknownst to us we submitted you to a job that maybe you either weren't qualified for or didn't want in the first place yep Totally happens. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, before you sign or commit to a contract, you know, I, I tell people we're not committed to anything until you sign that. But once mm-hmm. we sign it and we tell the hospital that in good faith you're, you're going to show up there, um, you know, you're, you're not committed to anything at that point. Yep. Okay. Are all contracts three months, 13 weeks? No, I, I would say the, the most common and people ask, you know, why 13 weeks? I think that's probably another common question. Um, 13 weeks is one week of orientation and then typically three months, uh, you know, 12 weeks uh, of an assignment on there. Yep. And how that ever came up, I have no idea. Um, I heard the story once. I think Thomas Piper told me the story because he kind of researched back into the, uh, the origins of, of travel nursing or contract nursing he did a little bit of that. He he researched it once. I don't remember what it was though. Yeah. Honestly, uh, but uh, you know the other common common one would be eight weeks. I would say eight mm-hmm. and thirteen weeks are probably the most common, at least in us. Yeah. Um, and then you get into like strike work and short term contracts and yep. three weeks this, three weeks that. Um, it's those are tough. You got to know what you're doing. Yeah. On those. And we and you have to have a full team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a lot of nurses. Hey, can we do a strike work? And you have to have a whole another team it's almost a whole nother business of people that can go out and do strike work so yep. it's something we choose at atlas not to do yep um at this point in time so what is here we go irs question what is a permanent tax home your permanent tax home would be where you are going to file your taxes mm-hmm. legally in the state united states of america where you duplicate expenses where you duplicate expenses right i think that's that might be the most important thing if 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 you are on the if you're questioning this at all right just google duplicating expenses 
as yep. a contract worker. All contract workers do it, right? That's how you get per diems. Plumbers, railroad workers, dudes that climb the uh, the five G towers, and yep. you know whatever. They're all on the road. They're all duplicating expenses. They pay rent, own a house, whatever, someplace else. Correct. And it's not just putting your stuff in your parents' garage. Correct. Unless you're paying them rent because that's where you lived and you didn't have your own apartment and you're still paying them rent. And you can prove to the IRS that you're still paying them rent. Correct. Okay. It's got to be a money trail. Yep. There are industry things from a business standpoint that I should watch out for in a, with a contract. Are there industry things from a business standpoint that I should watch out for in a contract with an agency, such as what are good things to see in a contract? What are bad things to see in a contract? What are things that I can ask for that I may not know about? Sure. You know, I, I think there's, you should watch for a, a minimum hourly wage. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have it set at a specific number at Atlas, mm-hmm. but, you know, uh, an RN should not be making $10 an hour no. somewhere across the country. Um, you know, there's you some... You want to talk about red flags with the IRS. Yeah, exactly. And, and But, you know, what Atlas chooses that number to be isn't true across the board. Mm-hmm. It's what we we've been advised to and, and we've talked to our CPAs and they yep. say this is this is acceptable. Yep, correct on there. So a very low, you know, under 16 under $15 an hour for an RN would be a, a huge red flag for yeah. me. Yeah. Um on there. Um always know your guaranteed hours. I think guaranteed mm-hmm. hours is probably a, a big thing on there. And um, understand that guaranteed hours doesn't always mean guaranteed pay. Correct. Um and understand, you know, ask your especially for new people hey what is guaranteed hours mean what mm-hmm. are call off policies if i do get call off how does that affect my pay mm-hmm. if i get sick how does that affect my pay which we talked about last week right yep. that's yeah um on there as well so um there's so much information and and it it maybe looks like your recruiter or your company is hiding that from you but maybe you just didn't have that conversation but if you're interviewing recruiters and companies mm-hmm. How does guaranteed hours work and, and everything? Is have, all those are all legitimate conversations to have ahead of time. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So a little long-winded, but I think that answered a ton of questions. Next week, we'll talk about pay, benefits, and then I'm, I know all of you have heard about vendors and VMS and MSPs. We've talked about them before. We'll cover them again, what each one of them what each one of them are, how they operate, and how we interact with them when it comes to your contract. Awesome. Adam Colette will be back with us. We'll probably be in the same clothes. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) See you next week.